Welcome to Questions About Heaven, a podcast about giving Bible answers to our questions about the afterlife with God. Each week we seek to answer real-life questions with biblical answers about the life beyond this world. Now, here's your host, Brad Zockel. And a wonderful day to you. This is Brad Zockel, and I am here in the barn, our soon-to-be-finished recording studio. I'm looking up here and uh, seeing that we've got to get to finishing up our insulation and working on some things here as we are uh, going around and pulling things together and getting the recording studio going. Oh, it's a wonderful, wonderful week here as we start off the summer. I am very, very happy to tell you I've been confirming some different uh, calendar events uh, on here. This is 2023 in case you are listening to this later on. In the future, I'm referring in right now to the summer of 2023. And to those that are listening to this right now, I am so happy to tell you that I will be uh, confirming, uh, and it is confirmed, that I will be in Pennsylvania on July 16th. July 16th, I will be at Family Life Ministries. And if you're looking for the location, it is in Butler, Pennsylvania. That's within the Stones Throw of Pittsburgh. It is on 932 Mercer Road, Pastor Bobby has uh, opened the door for me to go on Sunday night, 6 o'clock in the evening, at Family Life Ministries on Mercer Road in Butler, Pennsylvania. In two weeks from now, I will be in Atmore, Alabama, and I will be with Cross Point Church. Wonderful congregation, wonderful congregation, Pastor Guy Heath. This will be my third time. We will have a two-day Heaven is Home conference. Atmore is in southern Alabama, right very, very near the southern border, uh, bordering Florida. And so if you'd like to meet us there, these are all free. I hope you know that these conferences, we don't charge anything. As a matter of fact, Pastor Heath's church, the Alabama church, boy, they can lay out some really good food there as a welcome to anybody that wants to come. So we have June 10th and 11th, and it's in Atmore, Alabama at Cross Point Church. July 16th, I will be at Family Life Ministries in Butler, Pennsylvania. July 9th, the previous week, I will also be in Pennsylvania at Emmanuel Baptist Church. The pastor is Steve Cruz, C-R-E-W-S, and I will be there in the morning and in the evening time. And then now I am talking with Pastor Mike Melligan in Dayton, Texas, and we have just confirmed it right as I was starting to record we are going to be at his church in Dayton, Texas on the, it's the last Sunday in July. I'll get you the details and all of the address and everything like that. But he just wrote me and said, let's go ahead and we will get everything firmed up. I'm very, very happy with that. So I'll be in Texas uh, this summer as well. And the last Sunday, we are in Revelation chapter 14. We took our time and walked through the description of these missionaries that are here. The scene is in the midst of the tribulation, the thlipsis, that's the Greek word, for this seven-year period that follows the rapture. God's wrath is upon the rebellious on the earth, and there is no withholding on his wrath. He is indeed uh, showing his righteous anger against those that are in rebellion against him. I'm going to start, I'm going to go back and review by reading the first five verses, and I'll see if we can't go through five, and this will help explain fully 
who these 144,000 are. We have different faiths trying to move these 144,000 into another ministry to their liking, and you just don't do that. You let the scripture speak for the scripture. So what does the scripture say? Let's start off with this. I'm going to read here. Uh, as I'm, I'm reading through this, uh, you will notice that sometimes I will have a different translation. Of course, we do have access to the original Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. And so I will move around to different translations and read this and try to stay with translations that are very, very faithful to the original Greek word for word. And the New American Standard is one of them. So I'm going to read from that one right now. And this is Revelation chapter 14, verse 1. Then I looked, this is John speaking, then I looked and behold, the Lamb, that would be Jesus, it's a capital L, the Lamb was standing on Mount Zion and with him 144,000 who had his name and the name of his father written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven like the sound of many waters and like the sound of loud thunder. And the voice which I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps. In verse 3, And they sang a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one was able to learn the song except the 144,000 who had been purchased from the earth. These are the ones who have not defiled themselves with women, for they are celibate. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. These have been purchased from mankind as firstfruits to God and to the Lamb. And no lie was found in their mouths. They are blameless. Now, we went through the first three verses in our last podcast, I'm going to reread the next two verses, and we're going to go with those right now so that we may be able to have a full understanding of these missionaries. These are the ones who have not defiled themselves with women, for they are celebrate. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. These have been purchased from mankind as firstfruits to God and to the Lamb, and no lie was found in their mouths. They are blameless." What a wonderful, wonderful passage here. And there's a lot of mystery here as we look through this. In going back and just kind of reviewing a bit on on verse 3 as we talked about this, and it says this, as we went through here and we looked, they had his father's name, uh, Yahweh himself, has written his name on the foreheads of these dedicated, the 12 tribes of 12,000 apiece. Now, if you remember going back in Revelation chapter 13, verses 16 and 17, we saw the Antichrist, the false Messiah, and sometimes in some translation called the beast. And it says this in verses 16 and 17, and this beast causes all, this Antichrist causes all, small and great, rich and poor, during the tribulation, free and bond, to receive a mark on their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell except that he had this mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Remember that? That was the mark that was put on them. And of course, we know symbolically that is 666 uh, on there. We talked about that, and I'm not going to take time to go into detail. You can listen to the previous podcast on that. Now, during this, these ones are sealed, and so they have this name on here. The voice of many waters, like the voice of loud thunder comes. This is obviously the voice of God. He is saying, this is his group. He is giving approval of them. 
we then hear the wonderful orchestration of the harps. And I'm thinking back in Revelation chapter 5 and verse 8. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures, the four and twenty elders, fell down before the Lamb. Every one of them had harps, golden vials full of odors, aromas, which are the prayers of the saints. And so they had harps uh, with them as well. Would these be harps with which we're familiar here on earth? Uh, Maybe. We don't know. The closest identification. Remember, John uses a lot of like and as all the way through his descriptions. And it might just be that he's saying, the closest I can give to you this wonderful instrument that they have, both here in Revelation 5, 8, and then also in Revelation chapter 14, is that they look as close as I can to harps. Can you imagine a heavenly instrument like that? And this is an amazing, amazing, uh, beautiful melody going along with a new song. They are on Mount Zion. They are praising the Lord. They are singing a new song. And it says this, that this song is reserved for them. Now, we go into the, the description, the further description of these ones, okay? These 144,000. And so let's take some notes here and be responsible. And as I always remind you, as it tells us in uh, the book of Acts in 17 and verse 11, the Berean Christians studied the scriptures to see whether these things are so. So please take these and look at these as we go through Revelation 14. They are virgins. Now, when we talk about this, we are talking about those that are celibate. We are talking about those who are not encumbered with the responsibility of a family. They are here actively going into the world and knowing that their family cannot be held hostage or be tormented, anything along that line. They are not, it tells us here, they are not defiled with women. Uh, This might be a reference to the fact that at the time that there is among the religions of the world in the tribulation that uh, sexual immorality is part of it. Now, we know that that in many of the cultic practices of the day of Paul, especially in the, the, the uh, city of Corinth, that there was actually temple prostitution all over. This could be the same way. So the emphasis is here, unlike the world religions of this time, these are showing that they are going to be away from any sign of immorality and such. There is a, uh, the Wiccan belief of today has something within their belief called hand fasting. And I had presented studies in my religious survey classes that I taught, and then in some of the college courses that I taught when I was with King University. And part of it was to explain the different faiths and beliefs and such, as opposed to Christianity. And hand fasting is if two of the membership there uh, would just simply say that they were interested in each other, there would be a symbolic uh, ribbon, sort of like tying them together, and it was called hand fasting. And what they would do was they would hold hands, and then the cultic uh, leader would then uh, have a ceremony in which they would only commit themselves for one year. And then after the year, hey, if we're not interested, we move on. And that intimates a lot of this, and of course I can go into detail, which I won't, of the sexual immorality involved in both that belief and others of the satanic practices in which uh, there is irresponsible uh, sexual immorality uh, going on. 
um, as if sexual immorality could be responsible anyway. But when we talk about this, we see this would probably be rampant at this time since the Antichrist is an antithesis of everything holy. And so this is very important that this is put out. And I just uh, want you to understand the importance of Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4 when we talk about the, the importance of the Christians to show marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled. Fornicators and adulterers God will judge. It is so important that we are an example of purity and saving ourselves in our lives for the one that to which we are betrothed. And we would do that. So, so, so important. This is a good example here when we talk about this, when we're looking at those that are serving the Lord and they are under control of the, every aspect of the life, including their sexual life. They are physical virgins uh, here. And this is so important that what they are doing is they are fulfilling this call, such as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 12, when it says, Christ might present you, that to Christ, Paul says, I might present to you as a pure, chaste virgin. Isn't that amazing? We are dedicated to Christ, and we have given him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. We are doing that and serving him, and this is a very, very important designation here, that they have given themselves completely to the Lord. They follow the Lamb wherever he goes. They are completely obedient. Virtually every, let's say, every three days, someone will either email me or on some of the online classes that I have on YouTube Live or TikTok Live, someone will say, well, now, I believe in God. It, it, that, that gets me heaven. Well, I tell them, Mark chapter 3, and you know, or, or I believe in Jesus. Mark chapter 3 and Mark chapter 5, the demons believe in God. They even believe in Jesus. It doesn't give them salvation. We see through Matthew chapter 13, the parable of the sower, the evidence of the true follower is, of the true uh, believer is they follow. They are showing fruits of their life in obedience. Their life shows their faith. James very clearly says, if you are a Christian, you will show it. You will follow the Lord. Works do not earn your salvation, but works will openly show your salvation. You're a follower. Remember this? We've talked about this so many times in my online classes, and I hope you've been part of those. It's telling you uh, in John chapter 10, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Remember, this is what John chapter 12 and verse 26 says. If anybody serves me, let him follow me. And these are the ones who follow the Lamb, capital L, one of the names for Jesus, as we see so openly uh, named in the wonderful grand ceremony of Revelation chapter 5, the Lamb. They're following him. I thought the Lamb followed a shepherd, and the Lamb was the follower. Well, you know, as we see the many opposites in Revelation, it says here, now we follow the Lamb. As a matter of fact, Revelation 7 and verse 17 will tell us that the Lamb will lead the believers throughout the new earth, throughout the wonders of heaven. We, they were redeemed, it also says, of these ones. They were redeemed. Well, if you take a coupon to a supermarket 
uh, a, a, a mega store, something like that, you're redeeming a coupon, you are getting a transaction. It's part of a transaction for a purchase. It's no good to sit on the desk or on your um, your, your kitchen table. You, you take it in and you're going to get a discount or it's going to be worth an exchange. It means to purchase. You're going to do business on it. These ones were redeemed on it. And it tells us this. Remembering 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 20, you, my friend, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, a follower of the Messiah, given your life over, your love, your loyalty, giving your sins to the Lord, you have been, 1 Corinthians 6, 20, you have been bought with a price. So what happens? Well, glorify God in your body. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 20. We are going to do that. Remember, what as we look at the scriptures, we find out whether therefore we eat or drink or whatever we do, we do all to the glory of God. Who took care of this purchasing? Well, we see this. Jesus, Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, purchased it with his own blood, the church, the worldwide believers. So they also are called the first fruits. And this word is a most powerful word. I've been doing a study as I'm going to be doing a presentation in another area uh, to another class on in 1 Corinthians and talking about in verse 20 about Jesus being the first fruits. The word is a parquet. And you would see this is used in reference to grain and fruit harvests and such. And you go through the uh, dig back, dig back into the centuries, um, the BC era, and this aparche has been used in different sacrifices, animal sacrifices, giving a bit here with the promise that more is going to come or in representing the other ones to come. This is a portion of the harvest, the very first, the best of the harvest, and it's dedicated openly to God. It's saying this, Lord, you get the first, the choice, the front. All of this is being dedicated to you. And so then the hope was that. Now you'll find this description of the first fruit offering in Leviticus chapter 23. We're talking about a, uh, a first fruit harvest of the beginning, the best of much more to follow. Well, it says that these ones are the representative of much more to follow. What does that mean? Of the Jewish revival that's going to come, or let's say the evangelistic uh, explosion of response to their missionary efforts are coming here. This is what it's telling us about. The first fruits, first, first fruits uh, they are going through the tribulation, and then the Jewish population is going to follow them in the ones, the Jewish population that says, we now know who the true Messiah of the Jews is. It's Jesus Christ, and they are going to come. It's a wonderful, wonderful passage here that we see this as being brought, and this would take us into the millennial kingdom. Verse 5, now in their mouth was found no deceit. Well, when we talk about this, I want you to remember, as opposed to Matthew chapter 15, when it says, when Jesus says, with a, a, a sorrowful heart. These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Well, when we are reminded in this, when you see Romans, you think about this, we talk about Romans 10, 9 and 10 as part when we're talking to people about salvation. And in verse 10, it says, with the heart, the person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. All right, so it's talking about the use of this tongue to praise. James talks 
in his uh, book about the use of the tongue that can hurt and can cause uh, dissension. Not here. There's found no deceit. (laughs) Think of this. Within Revelation chapter 13, look in verses 5 and 6, you're going to see that the Antichrist, the representative, the fleshly representative of the Satanic Trinity, is doing nothing but through his mouth, blaspheming the name of the Lord, going against it with smooth words on there, going and totally, totally the use of communication to deceive and to take away the peace. When we see this here, this is going to be the blasphemous mouth, Revelation chapter 13 on this. This one here, these have no fault. These 144,000, these missionaries here, Amamoy is the word. And this is so important because this is a great example. Why am I telling you so detail about the 144,000? Because these are missionaries of the future. We can be the same type of missionaries in the present. Well, I'm not saying that you have to dissolve your marriage, but you follow the examples here. They are dedicated wholly to the Lamb. Can you say that in your life? This is what in the morning time, when I arise from my bed, I will say this in my prayer in the morning in thanking Yahweh for allowing me to be here on earth and minister. I say, Lord, the, the day is yours. I, I dedicate each hour, Lord, what would you have me to do? And as I'm driving or as I'm, I'm, I'm doing a work in the yard as well as ministering, Lord, what would you have? I want to be dedicated to you I want to be here, Amamoy, without fault. We can be this way. We can be this way, too. This is talking about sacrifice. Amamoy would uh, be in reference to the different sacrificial animals on there. You have to have a lamb without spot or blemish. Well, that's Amamoy, blameless in here. And they are blameless. And is your testimony blameless? Think of how delicate your testimony is. And the people in your neighborhood and the people in your town would say, there's nothing that I can say against this person. You know, somebody says, well, have they gossiped? No. Or, or have they paid their bills? Yes. Um, is there anything here that we can cut them? No, there's absolutely nothing here. They are amamoy. They are blameless. And this is something that is so very desired among the missionaries here today. And you're, you're a missionary. You're a missionary at your work, your neighborhood, your family. How blessed are those, Psalm 119 verse 1 says, How blessed are those whose way is blameless. And that's the Hebrew word, the equivalent of emamoi, who walk in the law of the Lord, emamos. Christ is the blameless one, the blameless lamb, the spotless lamb, and so are these. And most important, they are before the throne of God. You see, you're not before the throne of some nation or personality or charismatic, uh, energetic, uh, musical, artistic, uh, flamboyant, spiritual leader. That, that, that's not it. We are not before a Christian celebrity. The very idea of those words just makes my skin crawl. Before the throne of God. Before the throne of God. These ones, they sing before the throne. They rejoice before the throne. They are all over the throne of God's glory and and raising that. Do we know the names of these ones? No, the identification is of their tribe and of their number, but they're purposely anonymous because the glory goes to the Lord. They are doing his work uh, in there. And so we see this wonderful, wonderful dedication of those that we see 
just as we strive to be. We want to be faultless before the presence of God. Now to him, Jude, uh, there's only one chapter in Jude, so verse 24 says, Now to him, who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. Isn't that something? As magnificent as these missionaries are, they're blameless. They're going out. Satan can't touch them. The Antichrist cannot touch them. They have been sealed in protection. But also, they will not receive the friendly fire of God's wrath upon the earth. And in this magnificent power they have, they are blameless. They don't take advantage of that. They are serving. God's gifted you with the many wonderful things. I wonder if in that great glory that you've been given, are you blameless or are you egotistical? Look at the way people look how I present my talent. Look, I, you know, I love being on stage, somebody says, or, you know, this is an audience, not a congregation. Oh, how sad. But those that say, when they, you are so gifted, one Christian would tell another, and the other one says, so this gift comes from God, and it's going right back to him too. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, you do all to the glory of God, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Can we remember that? So much more we could say, and I see I'm well past time. Thank you so much as we've talked about the 144,000. Let's know that these ones here are not presented in any other way but as sincere and powerful missionaries serving the Lord here. And we can imitate and emulate them here on earth right now. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and it will be in heaven when the kingdom comes. So we can also uh, follow this. But we see them in the future history of the end times. What a wonderful thing. This is Brad. I appreciate you being with me today on this extended version. Listen, as we continue to grow and as I travel around, I do tell every congregation we go to, because we go to many rural churches and many churches that cannot afford to have a speaker, and I remind them, there is no, I was asked so many times, what is your fee? I said, I have no fee. But when I go, there are traveling expenses, and there are places where we're reaching people who desperately want to hear, be encouraged, uh, learn, grow, and I run many conferences, teaching times, classes. And if you can help in any way, even just a couple of dollars that would help fill the tank one more time that I can go and I can reach across and one of the cars, and I don't take plane trips or anything like that at this time. I'm traveling within the area. If you can help out in any way, if you might go to Zulon.org and under the donate section, or else you can see if you would rather send a check. We are a 501c3, and anything you give, anything you give helps immensely. Thank you so much for the giving. One generous check came in, helped us finish up on some very needed projects here, and I thank you for that. The Lord blesses you on that, and you'll also receive a tax uh, uh, credit for that as well. Thank you so much. I appreciate you all. Take care. This is Brad, and Lord willing, we'll talk very soon. Thanks for joining us this week on Questions About Heaven with Brad Zockel of the Zulon International Bible Institute. Be sure to visit our website, zulon.org, to learn more about our Bible ministry. That's X-U-L-O-N dot org. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. And keep an eye out for our upcoming ebook, Questions About Heaven. Thanks, God bless you, and have a great day.